Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. Brought to you by Blue Sky Business Consulting, we discuss five questions in about 15 minutes. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Season 5 of the Team Engagement Podcast. This is our first episode of the new season. Very excited to get started again and to uh, introduce some old friends as well as some new friends that will be joining us throughout this season. And I am very happy to have on our show today a return guest from a year or two ago, I think it was, Cody. But this is Cody Guyman, and he is the COO of Go-To-Market at Wakato. And he is here in Eagle Mountain, right where I live. And Cody, tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing at Wakato. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'm excited to be back again. Yeah, Wakato is an integration and automation company. It's a software company out of the Bay Area. And Really exciting stuff right now with ChatGPT and AI happening in the space. And so being able to integrate with ChatGPT, automate some workflows using that brain power of ChatGPT is kind of front of mind for us. It's been really, really fun, exciting time at Workado. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal right now, all that AI stuff. So that's uh, that's a big opportunity. Well, I'm glad you're able to uh, jump in on that. All Thank right, you. well, let's, uh, let's get to our questions. Cody, how can a business leader know when is the right time to pivot in a company? Oh, great question here. I think that there's a mix of art and science to knowing when to pivot, right? There's your intuition that's going to come into play with the business of your gut feel. Oftentimes leaders will say they follow their gut a lot, uh, knowing when to pivot. But I think also you can really use some data to help substantiate some of the hypotheses you might have that, that come from your gut. And so I think it's a combo of both. You know, some some pivots happen, you know, pivoting specifically to a certain industry. And you can grab data, you know, around this time of year, every annual turn. For me, something that I do is, is really grab some data on where are we selling? Where's the market pulling us? Not, not that we're pushing, but where's the market pulling us? What industries are spiking in the year-over-year growth category? It might be healthcare. It might be government. Um, you know, you think about the last... 24 months, there's been a bit of a slowdown in tech, I would say, in SaaS tech. And so you see budgets that didn't go down, like in healthcare and government that are spiking. You're still staying strong. And so you might want to pivot some dollars in, into investing in those areas where there's just really strong economy and really strong budgets that are still there from a sales perspective. So I think using data and using that gut, uh, you know, to test some of that, uh, those hypotheses is kind of the combo that I like to use. That's a great response because you're absolutely right. Sometimes we make gut decisions, which are in some cases appropriate, but other times we rely too much on the data, not enough on the gut, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's the other way around. And so I like how you balance that. And I liked how you kind of said, hey, see what the market's telling you and where it's pulling you and adjust your dollars accordingly. I think that's really good, good advice. Good advice. All right. Question number two. Cody, share with us one of the core values of your company and how that helps you make decisions. Transparency is a core value. I think it's a great one. Um, if you're transparent with data, where the company is sitting, you know, where the revenue is at, the cash burn, and you, everyone's on the same page, you can make really, really good decisions and you can avoid a lot of disasters. I think when you lose that core value of transparency or you are afraid to share news, even if it might be bad, and you, you know you don't want to come across as negative, and so you 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 hide things. You really get into into really bad spots as as a company, and so 
transparency for me being a core value. I love that one. Um, you know me, I wear my my heart on my sleeve and, and I say exactly what I'm thinking with, you know, in life in general. And so uh, for me, it resonates with me because I like to live my life that way as well. And I think, you know, in a business setting, having a group, uh, a whole company, right? Workado is 750 people. So 750 people that understand that transparency is a good thing, that it's something we encourage, you know, and having that ability to have candor with each other about, you know, the, the real state of the business or, or projects is, is really, really important. That's a great value because it uh, it brings a couple of things to mind. First of all, you mentioned, of course, almost this feeling that, um, you know, if everybody were watching what I was doing right now, that kind of transparency, how would, how would I change? But you also, right towards the end of your comments, you mentioned about the importance of also being transparent with each other, kind of what mm -hmm. you're feeling and some of those kinds of things. So there's, you know, transparency can have a couple of different meanings and definitions mm -hmm. in this context. So I, that's a great value. I like yeah. that a lot. Thanks. All right. Question number three, how can leaders identify and develop talent, especially finding and hiring talent? Oh, great question. So I think identifying talent, I'll start with that one. You said identifying and then developing. So we'll start identifying. Identifying talent, I think there's two ways. There's two things that I think about when I think of identifying talent. There's internal talent. How do you identify internal talent? And then there's identifying external talent and more of like a recruiting type part of the question. Internally, I think it's super important. And one thing that I love to do is I love to give projects that are a little bit outside of someone's comfort zone and, and see how they handle them um, with being hands-off. Generally, I'll find talent that's really, really good. We'll just be go-getters that will go figure out a way to make it happen, come back um, you know, with uh, really good questions or a polished result. And, and that to me shows, wow, this person can take on something, maybe uh, a role that's above where they're at now and they'll find a way to go get it done. So I try and do it in a micro way with like projects that might be a little bit outside the comfort zone. External finding talent, I think is increasingly important nowadays as you're building teams is, you know, uh, you know, at Workado here, I take this very seriously to, to make sure I'm bringing the right people on board and I think networking and, and uh, it, you know, being kind to people, that, it, that's where it starts. I'll just say that. Like, I think if you're somebody that has worked with a lot of people in your career and you've genuinely tried to leave any interaction you've had with those people in a positive way, you know, if you can add value in any way to that person's life or career, that when it comes time to build an executive team or hire the right people, as you reach out, you know, there will be a positive experience, at least open to a conversation. And then, it, and then it comes down to how well you can really recruit and retain people, you know, where you're at. So I think it starts with like kind of adding value, you know, being nice throughout your career, I think will really help and pay dividends later when you're, when you're building a team. And then I think, you know, there's tactical stuff on building teams. I think for me, you know, it's, it's really, I personal recommendations carry a lot of weight for me if they've seen, Hey, this person's an A plus plus player. So if I reach out to someone and they're not interested, I'll ask for referrals. You know, how do you do you know of people that would be good for this role that are, you know, A plus in your in your mind? And I think, you know, whether that's in LinkedIn or whatever tool you're going to use indeed for your sourcing, being able to uh, really ask for recommendations of people that you trust their judgment. Uh, I've found really good results, you know, bringing people on to, to teams um, from that. 
Oh, that's great. Great strategies, great suggestions. I love that. All right, question number four. It's kind of a similar question, but within your company, how do you identify and develop strengths within the team or the company? Yeah, so within the team, I'll talk about within my team. My team is, is broader, grow to market ops. So think sales ops, marketing ops, partner ops, that sort of thing, all the different ops groups. Um, you know, training and developing is, is going to be key. And so for me, I think what I love to do there is get cross-functional projects going. Within mm -hmm. the ops realms, a lot of things are similar. Um, for instance, marketing ops and partnership ops are very, very similar in the fact that you have a funnel of leads coming in, whether it's from a marketing channel like demand gen, you know, it could be Google or whatnot. And you're you're working those leads through a funnel and ultimately converting them. Partnership operations is very similar, although it'd be different means. You're working with partners, they're sourcing leads, you want to convert those leads and you get through. So to me, I try and pair up individuals that maybe haven't been exposed to other parts of the business. Maybe they've been in marketing ops their whole life, but the, they've done some really innovative things in marketing ops. Or try and pair them maybe with someone in partnership ops so they can learn from each other, really expand their mind of the broader business sense that's happening at the company and really be able to learn from each other. So I, I've found that doing cross-functional projects and really starting with every quarter, here's the list of projects we wanna go get done that are strategic and are gonna move the needle for the company. And then pairing up the right people that I think can learn from each other, develop new skill sets uh, on each project and following up with them as a team. That to me is really shown to develop uh, talent uh, outside of maybe the, the silo that they would they would be in normally. Well, I really like that, you know, it's that, that idea of cross-functional. And, and I the, the word that came to, for, in my mind that came to me when you were talking was cross-pollination. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's probably not the right way to think about it, but you know, just out there's a quick uh, little metaphor here. But out in the front of our yard, our house, we have some rose bushes, and I'm always amazed that they come up with a little bit different color every year, and that's because of the bees doing their business to uh, cross pollinate. Yeah. But but it does. It makes it a lot from a team perspective. Makes it a lot stronger when they're able to yeah. do that. Great sure. strategy. Love that. All right, Cody. Final question. It's a new one for the season. For all of those that have been paying attention for the past few years, I always ask, "What's uh, you know your your first job?" And we talk about then that's uh, that's great. But for this season, I wanted to do something different, and this is because it's a passion of mine. I know it's a passion of Cody's. That's part of the reason why I brought him back. Here we go. We're going to talk about baseball. So the, the final question, Cody, tell me. Uh, I I know that you coach baseball first of all, but uh, also tell me your favorite baseball story. Oh wow! Uh, can I give you a personal one? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you'll, you'll notice back over here the catcher's yeah. mask. So I was a I was a catcher uh, in my baseball career. I played at the University of Utah. It's what actually what helped me come out here to to Utah from the Bay Area where I grew up. And my favorite memory was actually when I was in high school. I grew up in Livermore, California, in the East Bay, and. I got a call one day to, as a junior in high school, to come to the brand new, it was called at the time, Pac-Bell Ballpark, which is the Giants Stadium, and to catch for two Giants prospects that were from the Dominican that came to the field to, to do a tryout, to throw at the field. And so my dad and I, you know, I left school that day, grabbed my gear. We went to Pac-Bell Ballpark. I got, you know, taken through the players entrance and went on the field and I and I caught two prospects for pitching. And, and the reason why they asked me in high school is because they couldn't go to a 
to colleges because of NCAA violations or whatever at the time. But in high school, it was okay. Uh, and so I wasn't draft eligible because I was a I was a junior and, and they knew of me um, through some scouting. So they asked me to come. I went and caught two two guys that threw, you know, mid-90s from the Dominican and uh, I gave them my assessment. They asked for my assessment of them. And and so I did that. But then at the end, they said, hey, we'd, we'd love it if you took batting practice on the field. Would you like to do that? And so... I, uh, I, I, they, I said, I didn't bring a, you know, a wooden bat. Do you have one? They said, yeah, go into the locker room. I remember I just grabbed the smallest bat at there because they were huge bats. And, um, and I got to take batting practice by myself, the only hitter with their BP pitcher with brand new baseballs in front of their scouting organization. And, uh, you know, I had uh, probably three rounds of 10 and I was lucky enough to hit one out of the ballpark, you know, not out of the park, but out of the, the field itself. And so, you know, for me, you know, seeing my my dad was the only one in the stands watching me. I mean, I think we, you know, had almost an out of body experience with how unreal <laughs> the situation was, and uh, you know, one of one of the best days of my life for sure. I think my dad and I will remember that one forever. Oh yeah, that's a great story. Oh, I love that. What a great way to kick off the season here because that's a, that's a phenomenal story. And you hit one out of the park. That's awesome. Congratulations. Well. That's right. what this is all about here as we kind of wrap things up to have, you know, we talk about serious things, but we like to have some fun too. So that's awesome. Cody, thank you so much for sharing that story, sharing your wisdom and for joining us on the podcast. How can people find you? Thanks, Sean. Uh, they can find me, my first and last name at gmail.com if they want to shoot me an email or on LinkedIn is great. I check both uh, fairly regularly. So um, they should be able to, to find me there. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us, whether it's the video or whether it's the audio. Either way, we're glad that you choose to join us every week. And we look forward to spending more time with you throughout the coming year as we continue to talk about leadership and teams here on the Team Engagement Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Sean. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. We also invite you to follow or subscribe to our podcast wherever you may be listening or watching. Is your business thriving? Go to tbs-score.com to find out. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great day.